What's going on guys? Welcome back to the show. Today we're doing a little pre-race episode. I'm running a little half marathon this weekend. Uh, and that's been a really fun experience, been a fun challenge. It's been really fun talking about it with you guys. And so I kind of wanted to break down my thoughts going into the race. And then we would do another episode on the back end of this to see kind of how things played out compared to, you know, what my thoughts were going into it. We'll talk about just things I'm excited for or nervous about. We'll talk about my fueling strategy. We'll talk about running strategy, footwear. Um, do I think I'll do more races afterwards? Uh, how I'm tapering for the race, other things I'm working, uh, uh, thinking about, and then looking back at training, anything I would change. And, and again, I'm saying that now, uh, and maybe we'll have a slightly different discussion after the race is over. Um, and so the race the, today is Wednesday the 13th. The race is this Sunday the 17th. It's in Virginia. It's like two and a half hours north of where I am in North Carolina. Um, Jenna, me, and the dogs are going to drive up on Saturday. We have just an Airbnb, just... 15 minutes from where the race is, um, and that'll be just like a nice little hub, uh, settle in Saturday afternoon, try and have as, as close to a normal evening as possible, Get try and get a good night's sleep, um, and I guess we could start with that, like I do wish that, you know, in a perfect world, the race would be, you know, I would just go run around here, and I just, you know, would be able to have my, you know, my bed, and my food, and my environment, just from a you know, the 24 hours before just trying to keep it as normal as possible, get a good night's sleep. I have no idea how it's going to go, but I, I, I have a suspicion just based on being myself for the last 32 years that, you know, I might get a little trickle of uh, nervousness or just, you know, anxiety or whatever and not sleep great. And, and so, you know, I don't want to project that and assume that's going to happen, but yeah, it'd be nice if the race was super close and I could be in my own house and all that, but, um, it's, it's two and a half, three hours away. It's really not a big deal. Got an Airbnb. It's all good. It's going to be fine. So what are my general thoughts going into the race? Listen, I am, uh, backstory, I have, I'm terrible, not terrible, but pretty darn bad cardiovascular fitness my entire life. I, I played sports at a, at a decent level, uh, at a college, collegiate level, but I never was in guard, good cardiovascular shape. The, every single team that I ever played on, whether it was lacrosse or basketball or soccer, Every single team, it was well known that I was in the worst shape. Uh, I have asthma or exercise-induced asthma, whatever. And just, it must be genetically that I don't have, uh, I'm not blessed with, you know, I'm not the person who's like, oh yeah, I have a friend of mine who is like a, a similar athlete, you know, played collegiate soccer. And him and his friend were in, in, he was telling me he was, oh, we were in Germany. We, and we just, we did the, we did the Munich half marathon or something like that. And we were out the night before we were drinking and like just rolled out of bed. And I promise you, he ran that half marathon way faster than I'm going to run this, like way faster. Um, like wanting to puke the whole time, but still can run it way faster. Like, I'm not one of those people who rolls out of bed and can just like do you know, endurance exercise, no problem. Um, this has been really tough for me. I'm not fast. Uh, this isn't like I, you know, am that person who just like picked up running and is all of a sudden good at it. I'm not good at it. I'm not fast. Um, I, that's not, I say that in like a lovingly way. Like you guys aren't watching on YouTube. Like that's not like a self-deprecating way. Like I, I've very much enjoyed the process. I've very much enjoyed getting better. I've very, I've been very humbling to suck at something. Um, this was not meant as like a Crimea River intro to this, uh, but this experience has been something that I know I'm not very good at, and and uh, that's been part of the fun, frankly, of like 
doing something you're not good at and, and getting some newbie gains and get it, feeling a little bit of humble, you know, definitely some humble pie being eaten uh, in and around this, maybe not pre-race, but you know what I mean. So yeah, that's been super fun. This little backstory on me, basically I'm not really cardiovascularly gifted. Um, just, just for whatever that's worth, this has been a fun experience to do it anyway. And and, you know, people are, are like, oh, do you love running yet? Do you love running yet? I don't. I don't love running. I don't love cardio. I still hate it as as much. Eh, I was going to say as much as the day I started training for this, but but that's not true. I like it more than then, but I still don't enjoy it. And that's part of the reason that I've really enjoyed having something to train for um, and really diving into the science and the education side of this. I work with a coach. His name's Alex Viata. He's like, in my opinion, one of the smartest dudes out there when it comes to a hybrid approach which is a lifting and endurance training, trying to get better at both simultaneously. Um, and, you know, asking him a million questions and diving into the physiology and diving into the programming and diving into the history of endurance exercise has been so much fun. So, all right, I'll stop waffling. Let's get a little bit into this here. So what are my kind of general knee-jerk thoughts about heading into this race? Number one is I'm really excited. Um, I'm really excited. What am I excited for though? Like I'm excited to to do something where I know that at some point in the race, thoughts of quitting will seep in. Not I know I'm not gonna quit. Like if you ask me right now, are you gonna are you gonna finish the thing? I am gonna finish the thing. Duh. Like I know that I'm gonna do that. But I know that the the mind is 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 a is a tricky bitch, you know what I'm saying? And when I when things get hard, those thoughts will creep in of like you know, uh, it'd be so much nicer to just slow down or, it, you know, you're tired, maybe just, you know, walk a little bit longer or, you know, those thoughts will creep in or, oh, this sucks, you know, my mind will start to play tricks on me, you know, it's like, it's like that first rep of a set of leg extensions that really starts to burn and you know that you can do more, but it's the first moment where you're like, oh, this really hurts. I, it'd be great to stop, but you don't stop because you know that's where you know the magic happens in terms of gains, whatever. I'm, I'm excited to do something where I know those thoughts of wanting to creep in, uh, those thoughts of wanting to quit are gonna creep in. And uh, like in, in, the, in the, I don't know if other people have this, but like there's, uh, um, I, I, I get pumped up at the thought of that. I get pumped up at the, and I'm not like, this isn't like some like Navy SEAL. I'm thinking like, yeah, you can take this. There are people that are like this 10 times more than me, like a million times more than me. Um, but there is an element, I think in all of us where like, I don't know, I'm thinking of how much that's going to suck and it's getting me fired up right now. It's getting me fired up just talking about it. Like how much of this is going to suck? Um, this is not going to be easy for me. I've never run this long. You know, the furthest I've ever run is eight miles in my training. You know, that's just a, a smidge over half the distance of this race. Um, it's going to suck. And I, I'm pumped up because I'm pumped up to tell those feelings of I want to quit those feelings of wanting to quit as they creep up. I'm pumped to tell them to kindly fuck off. And, and I'm excited for that because I know that there's really good things that happen when we, when we, when we push ourselves like this, you know, uh, I, I don't want to go to the extreme end of like, you got to push yourself like this every day, but occasionally training for and doing really hard things reminds you that you can do really hard things. And, and I'm really excited for that. I'm, I'm very excited to have that moment of I want to quit. My coach at some point, I don't know if he said this directly to me or, or somewhere in his content, um, was like the race starts the minute you, you decide you want to quit. And like I'm excited 
for that quote to come back into my mind when that happens. Um, uh, another coach on Instagram the other day was saying that like finding the 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 psychology that works for you, finding the self talk skills. Oh, it might have actually been might actually have been Alex. It might have actually have been my coach was saying that one of these underrated things is, is working on improving your self-talk and not improving it in the way that's like, oh, just, just gassing yourself up and being all positive all the time. It's about finding the type of self-talk that helps you, you know, get out of those deep, dark moments to push on a little bit further, to be your best. And that doesn't need to be the same thing for everyone, right? For some people, it sounds you know, it could be very deep and dark and self-deprecating and like, you know, and for other people, it's very motivating and positive. And, and, and to me, it's just probably a mix of both for everyone. But um, that moment where I want to quit, I know that that sentence of, hey, the race starts the minute you want to quit. It's going to come right back into my mind. It's going to get me and fired up. And so I'm, I'm definitely really excited for that. Um, I have enjoyed being super nerdy about this. Now, uh, when I go through some of this stuff, my fueling strategy, my running strategy, uh, footwear, you know, the taper, how I think about humidity, like all of this stuff. I have, have been super nerdy about that. I've gone in the weeds and I'm not saying that what I'm doing is in the weeds, but through my learnings with Alex, I told him, I was like, I want to go all the way. I want to be, I want to treat this like I'm like my life depends on it. How would we run this race? How would we fuel for this race? If my life depends on it, because I know that that's how I learn the best is by going all in and learning every little thing I can. That doesn't mean that I automatically think all of those things are super important for everyone in all contexts. When it comes to my education on hypertrophy and learning more about that, that it, you know, I am obsessed with how to optimize gains for hypertrophy. You know why I'm obsessed? I'm obsessed because by knowing everything, I can kind of titrate down what I think my clientele needs, what is important for them, what's the low-hanging fruit, what's that high ROI. And so for me, it's the same thing. It's in order for me to be the best coach I can for people that want to get better at running, want to improve their cardiovascular fitness, I want to take it to the nth degree. I want to know everything there is to know so that if I have a client who wants to know something, we can talk about it. But I also want to know everything so I know where things fall in the hierarchy of importance. That doesn't mean that, you know, I think uh, if I have someone who just wants to get in better cardiovascular fitness, that I'm going to be like, hey, you need to have exactly 780 milliliters of an isotonic fluid per hour and you need to get this exact shoe and you, no, no. But I want to be able to have those discussions if they present themselves, if I have people who care about that stuff and I feel that I'm a better coach at like I'm better at helping people who don't want to take it to the extreme when I know everything there is to know about how you could take it to the extreme because it will help me experience kind of what things matter a ton, what things matter less. And so when I go through some of this stuff, it might sound like, wow, you're taking this super seriously. It's just a recreational 5K, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, that that's okay. I know that. I know that. Um, uh, but I know that the way I learn the best, the way I'll be able to coach people to improve at running, to to run races, to do hybrid training, which is something I am passionate about doing in the next in this new year. Um, that I want to I want to take it to the extreme. I want for myself to learn. All right, I'll get off that soapbox. I think we get it. So let's talk fueling. I'm gonna 
try and get through these uh, in a reasonable amount of time. Let's talk fueling. And so what are the notes I made? The first note I made was nothing new on race day. And so what that means is a normal breakfast. You know, we're not doing the Michael Scott fettuccine Alfredo. We're not like, oh, the night before I got a carbo load. Like we're not doing anything different. And that's for a couple of reasons. One uh, is that, well, it's for one main reason. It's like, is that I want to have a predictive, a, a predictable day. I want to have food that I know I'm going to digest well. Um, I want to have an amount of food in an amount of time that I know I'm going to digest well. I just posted yesterday about pre-workout nutrition, um, and you know it's different for hypertrophy than it is. It's it's different for a 45, 45 minute hypertrophy session than it is for you know a two hour two plus hour half marathon. Um, but st- still, I don't. I'm not going over the top with like some, um, you know, hyper specific amount of carbs and fats. I've done a lot of guess and check with, hey, if I if I if I'm training in two hours, how much do I feel good eating, and what foods do I feel good eating? If I'm training in one hour, what can I eat and still digest and feel good during the session? I'll give an example. It's 7:45 right now. Uh, I'm doing my last workout before I take 72 hours kind of off um, at nine. And I knew that I'm doing it at nine because of the way my day works out. And I knew that if, I, well, if I'm going to do it at nine, then I kind of want to eat in that six o'clock hour. I, I really need at least two hours of full digestion break. Um, I would rather err on the side of a little bit less food than a little bit more food, a little bit more digested than a little bit less digested. Ideally, it's it's kind of more in that on that ballpark or on that bullseye. But I've had moments where uh, if I'm a little bit underfueled, that means I might eat eat a little bit sooner during the run. Um, but I've had moments where I'm overfueled, meaning like I'm, I have like sloshing around liquid in me or I have food still sloshing around and I start to cramp. And I, and I absolutely hate that. I hate that way more than the being slightly underfed. Um, and so, yeah, obviously I want to be optimally fed. I want to do this perfectly, but I know that I'm going to go with just a shred of caution with that, with how much I'm going to eat pre-race. So nothing new on race day, normal breakfast. I like to err on a slightly uh, smaller meal. Um, uh, you know, I feel like I get some nerves before I go do a hard workout that slows down my digestion. I tend to not digest amazingly well before that. So that's something that has been something that I've practiced. Um, I'll have a coffee, you know, anywhere from, uh, you know, 100 to 300 milligrams of caffeine, you know, within an hour of the start of the race, uh, just so I can make sure that I'm getting the benefit of the caffeine during the race. I've experimented with having a double espresso right before I start the run. I've experimented with having it an hour before. Um, th- this race is a bit longer, so I'll feel I feel like I'd like to have it a bit closer to the start. But I also know that there's digestive is- issues with that. Am I going to immediately have to go poop? So far, that hasn't been the case. You know, am I? And I, I, maybe we don't love poop talk on the pop- podcast, but like, what if I don't poop that morning before the race because I'm having a little bit of nerves? Which again, like I'm not like some nervous wreck. I just know that that can happen, you know, that you can have a little bit of nerves and that can slow down digestion and that can, you know, kind of make people feel a little bit constipated, especially when people travel. People usually don't have as regular bowel movements. Um, so I'm thinking about that stuff, you know, if I don't get a chance to to have a bowel movement before the race, I might ease up on the caffeine just on the off chance that like, yeah, that sends things moving. So, all right. From a nutrition side of things, you know, from a hydration and nutrition side of things, all of my nutrition will be on me. All of it will be on me. I will have all of the liquid that I need, all of the carbs, all the electrolytes, all the food. It will all be on me. 
Um, I'm not relying on the hydration station. A, I, you know, a lot of people go out for their half marathon. They don't have anything on them. And I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, that that's going to end in disaster. It's not, but I, I just, I think that, that there's room for marginal benefit with a little bit of planning is what I'll say. Uh, I don't think it's hard to have your nutrition for your race on you. Um, I would say that if you're doing something shorter than a half marathon, that this matters less. A half marathon and above, uh, fueling and hydration, um, nutrition uh, is going to matter a bit more because it's a longer race. Um, and so I'm going to have it all on me. And I have, uh, what what what's the fucking, fucking backpack? Uh, from Solomon. It's like a Solomon skin, whatever. It's like a little backpack. And the backpack comes with two water bottles that are like collapsible, really cool. And it comes with a bladder pack on the back, like a camelback sort of thing. Um, and so when we look at optimal hydration, we're looking at something like three quarters of a liter per hour of an isotonic solution. Um, again, it varies on the size of the person. It varies on, on genetics for sure. Um, on It probably also varies on habitual diet a little bit, but what exactly that isotonic means, I guess. But um, optimal uh, uh, hydration absorption in the body is 780 milliliters per hour. You know, you could round that up to a liter per hour. You could round it a smidge down. Um, and I will stick to that. And so I will pack, I know this race, you know, it's going to take me, you know, whatever, two to two and a half hours based on how I'm running. And so that's, you know, max, probably two and a half liters of water, probably closer to two liters of water is going to be perfect. Uh, and not just water, but an isotonic solution, um, and so I'm going to have that all on me. I will have two liters of an isotonic solution on me. And what that allows me to do is know that as I'm running this race, um, I can kind of keep stock on how I'm doing with my hydration based on what I've finished. I know that by the end of, you know, the third mile, I should finish the first water bottle by the end of the sixth mile, the second water bottle. And then I know that, you know, taking two sips every X amount of miles, whatever, 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 I have that strategy in place that I know that how I'm doing with my hydration, it, you know, instead of like stopping at the hydration station, I don't know what they're going to have. Um, I've also never done a race before, so I don't even know what that experience is like of stopping at a hydration station or whatever. I don't, I just don't want to rely on any of that. It, it's more comforting to me to show up to the race and saying, Hey, everything that I need to ingest over the next couple of hours is, it is on me right now. I'm not worried about having to worry about what they have or maybe they only have water and I need some, some electrolytes, some carbohydrates. Um, and, and it even says water stations on the website. I tried to look it up on the website, what they might have, just out of interest. And some people might be like, I, I ran my half marathon. I just showed up in a pair of shorts and I, I grabbed some water at the hydro. Okay, that's great. Cool. You that, People do that all the time. I see, you know, I have friends who are like, oh, I ran the marathon and they didn't have any fuel on them at all. They just like casually stopped at the hydration stations, picked up some stuff and they did okay. That's fine. I, I think that there's room for marginal benefit with a little bit more planning. And for me, on my first race, I just don't want to wing it. I don't think that that's such a crazy thing. I've had some people like, well, you're really going to wear that whole backpack? It's like, well, first of all, that thing is, that backpack is the most unbelievable piece of equipment I've ever worn. It is, it's called skin. That's what the backpack's called, the ADV skin. Uh, and that is a good name because you don't feel like you're wearing anything. It is incredibly comfortable. So yeah, I don't feel like that's a bit over the top. Um, I will feel more comfortable knowing I have all my nutrition on me. And so that's 
780 mils per hour of an isotonic solution. Isotonic solution just, you know, means a combination of carbs and electrolytes in the water that roughly matches what's inside your body so that it can absorb faster, right? Um, what's an analogy? An analogy of what an isotonic solution is, it's like, you know, if you filled up a water balloon with water and then you put it in the tub and the tub is also water. And so what's inside of the water balloon is the same as what's outside of the water balloon. And it's the same idea where it's like what you're putting into your body, the, the water, uh, the isotonic solution is the same as what's already in there. And so the absorption is a bit easier because it is in the same concentration of these of these solutes. Um, and so that's a way you can optimize the absorption rate of that of the fluid uh, and kind of optimize the hydration benefits if you have an isotonic solution, which is a which is a combination of of electrolytes and carbs in water that allows for optimal absorption rates. I think that's a pretty uh, standard way of saying it. I will begin this process an hour before. So uh, we know that, you know, again, optimal hydration rate or absorption rates like 780 milliliters per hour. I'll start by an hour before my race, making sure that I begin that. And so I'll have, you know, roughly 800 milliliters of that isotonic solution. I'm going to use Pedialyte. Um, some people love Tailwind. Some people love, um, what are some other ones? Um, you know, some people just go with Gatorade. Gatorade isn't exactly, you know, as as per the evidence is not isotonic, but, it, you know, again, it has some electrolytes, some carbs. You're doing, you know, you're off on the right track there for sure. But I will begin that process an hour before, and that's something that I've learned is quite important. If I'm, you know, it, because it takes time for your body to absorb, um, it obviously it takes time for your body to absorb the liquid that you drink, you kind of want to begin that process earlier. And also, you know, you might be able to absorb 780 mils per hour, but you actually need more fluid in you to get that rate of, of absorption. It's not like you drink 780 mils and you absorb all of it. You probably want to drink more like a liter and then you end up absorbing 780 mils. Um, and so I'll start that before and I'm going to use Pedialyte. Um, that's what I use during training. That's what I'm going to stick with. Um, I've looked at Tailwind, I've looked at some other things and they all look great and, and they're fine and very similar macronutrient, very similar electrolyte profile and so very similar stuff. So what's my running strategy? I've talked about this on the podcast a couple of times. I'm not fit enough to run this race nonstop. When I started the uh, training for this, all I wanted to do was run the half marathon without stopping. That was my goal. I was like, hey, I want to get out there because the reason that was my goal is because I, that was such a foreign idea to me. I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do that. So that's kind of the, that's kind of what I, I, I want to try and do. But that's, that was mostly an egotistical thing. That was mostly like, Hey, I, you know, I am putting up on a pedestal, this idea of doing it without stopping, but I didn't stop to ask myself, is that actually the best strategy? Is that how I will actually finish fastest? And yeah, my life's not depending on this, but uh, you know, if someone's like, hey, you could you could finish the race faster if you actually do a run-walk strategy, then I'd be like, well, that makes a lot more sense. Um, and so that's what I'm going to do. I'm not fit enough to run this thing without stopping at any efficient pace. What I mean by efficient pace is if you watch somebody run at like a 12-minute mile pace, like you go on the treadmill and put it on a five, five miles an hour, that's 12-minute mile pace. And if you were to watch yourself on a video, what you'll notice is that that's kind of not a 
an efficient gait cycle. It's not. It's more like a shuffle. You're you're not really getting into a full stride, and without making it overly complicated, the amount of distance that you move forward, right, for the amount of energy you expend is inefficient compared to if you ran a little bit faster. Now you might say, well, if I run a little bit faster, I can't do it for as long. Yeah, th that's true. That's where the run-walk strategy comes in. So what we're trying to do is run at a more efficient pace where the technique that you have to use to run at that pace expends less energy. But I'm not fit enough to run that pace. I'll give some random numbers here. Um, you know, if I were to run this race without stopping, I probably have to run it at an 11 minute mile pace. Uh, if I wanted to, I think I could do that. If I run at an 11 minute mile, I could probably do that for the whole race. But if I run for a certain period of time at a nine minute mile, and then I walk for a certain minute, a certain um, amount of time for let's say three miles per hour, uh, which is like a 20 minute mile, um, I will actually be able to run this race in about a 10 minute mile pace, a full minute faster if I just run walk it. And that is because my technique at a nine minute mile pace is really efficient. It's very fluid, it's very intuitive. Um, it actually doesn't cost me that much more energy than uh, let's say running at a slower pace because it's more intuitive because I'm running in a technique that's more efficient. And walking at a three minute mile or a 20 minute mile pace, three miles per hour is also actually efficient. It's that middle ground of you know this 11 to 13 minute mile pace that's a bit inefficient. Now that doesn't, this doesn't strategy doesn't work for everyone because there are people that are in a position where running at nine minute miles is is not feasible. They can't run that maybe at all. Um, and you know you have to be able to run at that pace for at least you know without getting too into the weeds. You know you need that number to be kind of still sub threshold, sub lactate threshold. Um, and so this is where a lot of like the fun strategizing comes in. I have a couple, like maybe three or four clients that I'm coaching for races and we're working on some of these strategies where it's like, hey, like you could run this race without stopping, but you could finish faster if we leaned into a run-walk strategy that has you always moving at an efficient pace, even if it's not one that you can keep up the whole race. Um, and so I will be running, I've, we went back and forth, we practiced a lot of the strategy and we will be running for six and a half minutes and walking for one and a half minutes, running for six and a half, walking for one and a half. And it will take me somewhere between 14 and 16 rounds of that to finish this race. Um, and I'll hopefully be finishing, you know, with a net minutes per mile pace of, you know, 10 to 10.30 instead of uh, a, a minutes per mile pace of like 11 to 12, where I would be if I were gonna try to run this in a continuous fashion. Um, cool. Okay. Um, that anything more on this run walk thing? No, I think it is really, it really meant taking the ego out of it. I think there's a lot of ego that says, Hey, I want to do this thing without stopping when in reality, that's like, you, uh, by the way, that that's cool. By the way, if that's what you want to do, I don't want to shit on that. Like if you want to do that, great, that's fine. But to me, like there's like a, I hit like a real like logical barrier of like, yeah, but dude, you could do this faster if you did it in a more efficient manner, man, the word efficiency really clicks with me and I'm like, yep, cool, done. If it's more efficient, then we should do it that way. Um, and so the things I'm thinking about when I'm 
thinking about this strategy on race day is is for me is don't go out too fast. Uh, I can definitely, I think that if you've ever raced before from what I've heard, cause this is my first race, I don't really know, um, that that's pretty common of like people going out too fast. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that's like, a, I've watched like a million races now. I've watched a million YouTubes about people who do races and top five worst mistakes that every runner makes is like going out too fast. Um, and so I know that if I start this race, you know, even like 15 to 30 seconds split faster. So if I'm running this in, in the eights at all, I know that I can do that for five, six miles probably, but I crash pretty hard or I see myself slow down dramatically because I'm so tired. And so for me, starting off, it's almost like, you know, if if uh, if I have you, if I said I want you to do 10 sets of squats and I want you to get 10 reps on all of them, right? If, I, if you're, it's like, okay, we're gonna put 135 pounds on the bar and you're gonna do 10 sets of 10, which is shout to German volume training. Um, and you need to get 10 reps on all of these sets with the same weight. That's what I'm trying to do here, right? I'm trying to get the same the same speed across all of these splits. Well, then the first set of 10 I have to do has to keep a couple reps in reserve, right? I can't go to failure on the first three or I won't be able to keep that up for the rest of the sets. It's the same with this. If I go too fast in the beginning, I'll be tired. I'll have to adjust my pacing in the on the back end. I would rather find out that I have a little bit of gas in the tank towards the second half of the race and speed up if I feel like it, but that probably won't probably won't happen. The, with the experience that I have of running, running these distances, I think our strategy is, if not perfect, a smidge ambitious, and I don't suspect that I will magically have a bunch of, you know, untapped energy towards the second half of the race, but, you know, you never know. People are, oh, you're going to get a ton of adrenaline and with all the people there, and I think that that's very possible, and so we'll see. Um, so don't go out too fast. Um, what else? There's a, I'm going to, you know, while you're running, you know what the, whatever, I don't want to go on too big of a tangent. I want to keep this podcast reasonably timed here. Um, I'm not going to though. We know that, um, is like, what do you do for two and a half, two hours? You know what I mean? Let's say you're running for two hours. Like what the hell are you doing for two hours? I have always felt that to be a fascinating thing. It's like, what do you do for two hours to stay motivated, to stay uh, kind of uh, um, almost like continuing to pay attention to what's going on. Um, how do I kill two hours of time? Am I really going to be like just in my head listening to my breathing? Am I going to listen to music? Am I going to listen to a podcast? Am I going to listen to an ebook? You know, am I going to listen to a sports game? And so I found this to be fascinating. And I've, you know, my coach and I have looked at some of this research between associative techniques and dis- dissociative techniques when it comes to kind of pain management. Um, associative techniques being more kind of um, being in it, and that's not a very scientific way of saying it, but being more in it and, and thinking about it and being in your body every stride, you know, feeling the rubber on the ground, feeling your breathing, you know, thinking about what you're doing, thinking about your technique. That's very associative. You're in it, right? Dissociative is, let's say, trying to listen to a podcast and, and or or just looking out at the beautiful scenery and trying to dissociate from what you're doing. Um, and it turns out that people who are better at the associative techniques, who, who, who use associative techniques more appropriately are actually end up being better. Or I'm, I'm reversing that. It's that if we look at elite athletes, they tend to be really good at associative techniques. And I kind of think of that as like, yeah, they're probably the kinds of people who can do that for longer. Where like, if I 
do a couple of my splits with no music, I, I kind of go a little bit crazy, you know, like I'm just listening to my breathing and the, the, the sloshing of the, of the, the water in my back or the, the pounding or the whatever, just like, I kind of want a little bit of dissociate, uh, dissociative techniques in there as well. But the truth is I want to mix. I don't want to totally dissociate from my breathing. I want to be thinking about my technique while I'm running. I want to be thinking, you know, for me, my cues have been keep my head up, lead with the chest, wrists over elbows, you know, more rotation than vertical movement. Um, and for me, some of those things are, um, if I if I just go listen to a podcast or something, I might get a little loose with that without noticing. And that's something I don't want. So I have found that using music, I know this is not rocket science to people who run, but I have found that music that is at the same pace as the cadence that I'm using. So I run at roughly 160-ish steps per minute. So if I find music that's 160 beats per minute, I find that it helps me really keep my cadence in check. And that sounds like something that would work, but I just want to give a shout to the fact that it actually works really, really well for me. Like it, I just, it sounds like it would work. It's one of those things that sounds like it would work, but I, but so it's not surprising when I tell you it is working for me, but I, I actually didn't think it would help as much as it does. When I start, and, and for me, the mo most important thing is to start the race with music. Because for me, the my biggest downfall is starting the race too fast. And so if I start with the right cadence, I usually start at the right pace, and that really sets me up for success. Now, my if you guys know me, I'm a huge soccer fan. I'm a huge Arsenal FC fan. Um, they are playing a big game right when my race starts at nine o'clock Sunday morning. And part of me thinks, can I use that in some way? Can I listen to the game for the first half or something like that? Um, I think it can, I think it could go a couple of ways. You know, it could be really great because there's nothing I care about more in terms of like watching than this soccer game. And so I could really dissociate, uh, you know, and if I could get into a good pace, I might be able to like get through the first 45 minutes of this race without like thinking about anything really and worrying about if I'm just uncomfortable or whatever. It could also go the other way where I dissociate so much that I go too fast or they start to lose the game and I get really frustrated or I, I, they start to win the game and I, and I start getting excited. You know, it's, it's a way safer bet for me to stick to the music, but I don't know if I'll be able to hold back. I think I will, I think I'm going to start the race by listening to the game and seeing how it goes. I can always whip my phone out, switch to the music, and, and I'm fine with that. So we're gonna, I'm interested to see how that goes. Next, footwear. People have had some questions. I bought a pair of Ultras, uh, zero drop shoes um, to try out. And so what does zero drop means? It, it just refers to the heel to toe drop, which is the vertical distance between the heel and the toe. And, you know, Ultras, up until recently, only make zero drop shoes, which means the heel and the toe are vertically, if you look at it from the side, in the same line. Um, and, uh, you know, the the benefit there is purported to be that you're less likely to heel strike. It's more likely to encourage proper running mechanics, but it's really not that simple. I've done a lot of gait analysis with my coach and it's really not that simple. Zero drop isn't gonna work amazing for everyone. Now, I've been wearing a pair of Asics, uh, that have some heel drop for sure um, and a, a bit more cushion than the ultras that I bought. And so I've been running in those. And so you could say, well, just stick what you've been, stick what 
stick with what you've been doing. And that makes a lot of, there's a lot of like uh, logic behind that for sure. But, you know, I wanted to learn what it would feel like to run in something else. I'm like, oh, what is it? What is it? You know, let me, let me get something that's drastically different and let me do a comparison. And so I did, I bought a pair of ultras, zero drop shoes. Everyone's, oh, I love my ultras. And the first time I ran in them, I gotta tell you, I didn't love them. It felt weird. And I had a ton of anterior tib pain the next day. Um, and, and that, that doesn't mean that, that those shoes are bad for me. It means that my mechanics weren't optimized for that shoe. They were optimized for the shoe that I've been running in. And so I said, okay, that's super cool. I'm fascinated by that. And in the long run, maybe the ultras are perfect for me, but I don't want to rewrite my mechanics so close to the race. I don't want to have to make any adjustments. You know, I was having that anterior tib pain was coming from, um, a redistribution of the work to muscles that weren't used to having to work so much in, in such a way because of the differences between the shoes. And so I'm going to stay with my ASICs. Uh, I, I've really loved them there. I've enjoyed them a ton, but after the race is over, I'm going to switch to the ultras and I'm going to train with them for maybe four to eight weeks straight. And I'm going to see if I can, if there's a net positive to switching and and taking that time to kind of readjust my mechanics to this new shoe and see if there's a net benefit. They're just, it was too close to the race, but but that was never the point. The point was never, I was never buying these shoes to, to use them during the race. I wanted to experience how a different shoe could make a difference. And, and it does, it does make a difference. Um, or it, I don't know if it makes a difference in the long run, but it makes a difference in the short run. Like if, if you're, if you've been wearing shoe X and then you switch to a very different shoe, you will feel it. Cool. Do I think I'll do more races? The answer is yes. I will 100% do more races. Um, we are having a baby in April. And so I'm not sure that after that, I'm going to want to train really hard. Uh, I think when the baby comes, I'm going to turn all of my training to maintenance you know, I have an image of what that looks like, of how many days of cardio and how many lifts and what sort of training I'm going to do. I have an idea, but I also know that I won't even speak that out into existence because I have I really don't know what it's going to be like. And so I'm reserving all like a real judgment about what that's going to be, reserving my planning for when that time comes. But I know that, you know, I have January, February, March to train for another race, another 12 weeks. Um, and what I think I'd like to do, I talked over with my coach. I either want to do one of three things. I want to do another half marathon and get faster. So, so there's a lot of merit to like, what races do you run and what you can learn from that? So running a half marathon and then training for another half, half marathon and seeing if you can beat your time. I think that's like an incredibly reasonable, fun thing to do that I will want to do in the future. The other thing is training for a marathon taking my training and continuing to push myself further into that endurance side, you know, further into longer runs because those are, you know, how training changes the psychology of longer runs, all really fascinating. Or you could go in the other direction and go run something like a 5K where train for a 5K where instead of the trying to run for longer, it's really more on the trying to run faster side of things. And I think I'm going to go that route. Um, I'm not saying I've learned everything I need to know about running half marathons and marathons, but the difference between training for a half marathon and a marathon is not that much. It's actually very little. When you compare the fact that it's double the distance, the training is not double in terms of difference. 
is not that different. It is way less different than you would suspect for something that is twice the distance. When you go from a half marathon down to a 5K, the training is different enough that there's a lot of meat on the bone for me in terms of learning. And so I will probably schedule a 5K for the end of March, early April, um, and start training for that with more of a speed focus, which, which I'm excited for, not because I hate long running, but just because I think that that's something that I, is funny because I, I, you know, up until the last year, I didn't do a lot of any direct endurance exercise. So I didn't really have a good handle on anything, but I actually do feel like I have a really good handle on training for a half marathon and training for a marathon. And, you know, I will be taking on people. I will be posting more about this. So I just, I didn't even mean to bring this up today, but in the new year, I will be taking clients who want to train for this stuff, whether or not they have an actual race they want to train for, or they just want to you know, take their endurance exercise just a hair more seriously. Um, that's going to be the client that I'm looking for in the new year. Uh, of course, alongside nutrition stuff and hypertrophy stuff, but somebody who also wants to say, Hey, I'd like to do some running or biking or something like that. Cool. Um, yeah. Do I think I do more races? Yes. I'm going to do more races. I'm going to do a 5k, but, but I'm going to do more races guys for two reasons. One is I'm fascinated with learning and it's doing the race has been the best way for me to learn about training for the race and type of programming and types of adaptations and all that stuff. But also, I will tell you, I don't like doing cardio. I don't like it. I don't care. You are, you're going to get a runner's high. You're going to get a, I No, I don't. I don't like it. But I love what it does for heart health. And uh, I've really enjoyed learning about it. And so for me, having a goal of the race on the schedule, on the calendar, has made this whole experience really fun. Now, that isn't always the case. If you told me I was doing a bodybuilding show or a powerlifting competition, I don't I don't know if it would be very fun. I love lifting, and I love lifting, period. Like, not for something. I, I just love going in there, and I enjoy the activity. And so I, I haven't felt the need to put that external pressure of, oh, I'm gonna train for this thing so that I can make it more fun. I, I genuinely enjoy it, but with cardio, it's not that case. So I do feel like for the very long run, I know I'm gonna be a dad, I know things are gonna change, but I see myself for the long run doing a lot more races in the future because I wanna keep doing cardio. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a marathon I, and I'd love to do something even crazier. I'd love to do a 50 mile. I'd love to really start to dive into some of that stuff. Not because I, I like it almost, but because I know that if I don't have these goals with cardio, at least at the current time of recording, I don't love it enough that I think I would just continue to do it for, for fun or because it's good for me. Um, and so sometimes having that goal can help. And I also have seen a million times where having that goal does not help, but I've seen it both ways. Okay, what else? Um, I'm doing a two-week taper. For those of you guys who know, taper just means as you get closer to the race, you will decrease the intensity with which you're training a little bit. It's like a deload basically where I want to perform optimally on this day, which means I don't want to go into that day feeling very fatigued. And so I want to drop some fatigue heading into my race day. I want to drop fatigue, but I want to maintain fitness. I want to maintain the fitness that I have. So how do we do that? Very gently, we keep our intensity kind of where it is. And so I've been running, let's say I've been running, my hard workouts have been interval sessions and those intervals are kind of mimicking my race. So it's like six and a half minutes of running, one and a half minutes of walking for a certain number of intervals. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, I was doing 10 of those, 12 of those, eight of those, you know, and two weeks out from the race, we'll kind of take a look at my overall volume and we'll drop it by 25%. So that was last week. 
And then this week, we'll drop it by 50%. And then 48 hours, 72 hours out from the race, we'll kind of just take off. Um, and it's not that complicated. There's no direct playbook on that. You know, that's not, don't quote Alex on that. That's just, um, you know, that's a very general starting point of like, hey, let's do a little bit of taper two weeks out, a little bit bigger taper the week of. And then a couple days out, full rest. That's the basic framework, but then you have to look at the actual programming and say, hey, where where are we going to bring down the volume? You know, I've kept all my zone two biking. Um, and last week I even kept my plyometric day. Uh, but this week, you know, my intervals were there normally like eight and 12. It's gonna be, you know, I did six intervals on Saturday and I'm gonna do four intervals today, which are both not very hard, um, but they keep the intensity up. It keeps me practicing at the speed I'm gonna be running the race. All right, what else? Two two other topics. What about other things? What are random other things that I'm thinking about this race? You know, I'm a little bothered at the fact that it's gonna be pouring rain um, because I know it's gonna be humid and I know that really affects me and it, 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 kind, of, it kind of impacts my asthma a little bit. Uh, and I've always run slower in the rain and in the humidity and I'm a little pissed that like, of course it's beautiful Friday and Saturday and then pouring rain Sunday morning right during the race. So whatever, it is what it is. I'm not gonna fucking whine about the weather. It's going to be fine. We're going to get out there. We're going to do our best. You know, some parts of running in the rain just like can be fun, um, depending on what that looks like, how much it's raining, you know, et cetera. Um, and so we'll see how that goes, but it would have been nice for it to be like 45, sunny, no humidity, perfect, beautiful day. I've had some of my best runs in that weather and I was hoping for one of those days, but it doesn't look like it. Uh, as of now, it looks like it looks like 98% chance of rain in the morning. Great. Um, the other thing is a potential race adrenaline. I want to make sure that I enjoy the experience and that I do feed off the environment, but not so much that I go out too fast. Um, and the other thing I guess I wanted to say was that I am absolutely in disbelief that I'm not injured. What I mean by that is I've been an athlete for the last 20 years and every single preseason for every single sport, I get shin splints. And I spend a week or two on the sideline with the fucking ice cups, massaging my shins, going to the trainer. And it's every single season. Um, and it's not rocket science why that is, but it's still been my lived experience for the, for the you know, 20 years that I, you know, 15 years that I was a semi-competitive athlete. Um, and I, you know, everyone was like, oh, you're going to start running. Like, you're not worried about the impact. Like, why not just do biking? Like, why not do something that's lower impact? And I was like, well, you know, wh whatever my answer was. Um, I was sure. I, I spoke to Alex. I remember our first couple of calls. I was like, hey, dude. I am incredibly prone to shin splints. I've had shin splints every, when I when I moved to Texas and I joined an adult soccer league, within the first like month, I got shin splints. And obviously that's because I was doing too much too fast. That, I, yeah, maybe I was predisposed to shin splints. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's some durability issues for sure. But I, for me, for myself, I was ramping up that volume and intensity. I was doing too much too fast. Um, and I am so grateful that I'm not injured. And I attribute that entirely to four things. One is don't do too much too fast. To me, that is the most important. If you're like, hey, I'd like to start running, great. You don't need to do this three days a week. Don't eat, you might not even wanna run two days a week, right? You might wanna find, and the second one is have an alternate modality of cardio. That's number two. 
instead of just saying, oh, I want to run. So in order to get better at that, I should run, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. There's some specificity in terms of technique that you'll only get from running. Some durability, uh, um, injury prevention, actually, that will come from running. But you're probably not durable enough to do all of your training out on the pavement. And so have an alternate modality, have a bike, have a rower, have a Stairmaster, have an elliptical, an arc trainer, something that is low or no impact that you can use early on. Actually, not not early on. It makes it sound like it's like this means to an end. It's something that all elite athletes do too. Um, if you take, if, you, if you're like, hey, Jordan, I'd like to get into running and you come to me as a client, we're not running more than once a week. We might not even run at all in the beginning. Um, we might start to do really short intervals, five minute, uh, two minute run, one minute walk, four rounds, and you come inside. Great. And we very gently ramp that up. But in the meantime, we get you on a bike and we start working on, you know, I think of running as specificity. And I think of this alternate race modality as adaptations. Like you can get a lot of the same metabolic and, car and, and cardio adaptations working on the bike. Yes, there's a level of specificity adaptations that you you need that you will only get from doing your race modality, in this case, running. But I got a lot of cardiovascular metabolic benefits from the bike. Uh, we use the bike a ton. Um, and I think that that's just been such a, it's allowed me to get more fit without getting injured. Because if I was only running, then I wouldn't be able to run that much. I'd have to really slowly ramp up my volume. But I was able to train a lot right out of the get-go because we had three, you know, 75% of my stimulus was from the bike when we started. Um, and, and still is, uh, uh, the majority of my workouts are, are not running. And I think that that's news to people. But again, that's, I'm not trying to discourage people from running. I'm just saying, don't do too much too fast. If you have a history of getting injured, you know, decrease the amount you're running, but replace that stimulus with something that's lower impact. The third reason I feel like I'm not injured is we've been doing plyometrics once a week. And I think that that's, you know, I could do a whole rant on plyometrics here where like, I think that it's, it's, it is the easiest thing to skip. It is the least fun workout you've ever done. Um, it's, it's, it is so easy to skip. And that's why so many athletes do skip it. But I know that, you know, I've skipped it. I've skipped it. It's the workout I've missed the most. Uh, I, I've done it more than I've not done it. But it is so easy to want to skip your plyometric workout. And I I really believe in the plyometrics. And I think after this race, I will have a renewed commitment to what it can do for some of your running economy, some of your stiffness, some of your injury prevention. Um, and so I really will have a renewed sense of commitment for that. And I think plyometrics are super duper underrated. And the fourth one is working on your running form. Um, there is no inherently perfect running form. I know there's a lot of people out there, oh, you can do pose running. Oh, heel striking's bad. You hear all these things, but it's not that simple. We all have different biomechanics. Um, we all have different, you know, gates that will be most fluid and comfortable for us. And yeah, there are maybe some general best practices, but you know, working on your individual running form. Cool. And the last question I got was looking back on training, what would I change? Honestly, I would do my plyometric work more. Uh, I probably did it two thirds of the time and I, and I feel guilty not doing it because I actually do feel like it has to have helped because I'm, I feel incredibly strong in my shins and ankles uh, where I've not felt like that before. Um, my training for the record was, was a couple zone two bikes, low intensity biking sessions per week. One really hard interval session on the bike, probably my most intense workout of the week. And then two interval runs, which 
aren't that challenging that I keep in that like RPE seven range. And then uh, three full body lifts per week in that like 45 minute range. That's been my training for a while. All right, this was a long podcast. I hope this has been helpful. I'll hop on um, probably early next week and do a podcast on how it went. Um, and, and I'm really looking forward to it. I, it's gonna suck, but that is what I'm looking forward to. Um, and I'll keep you guys in the loop. So thank you for watching or listening and I'll catch you in the next one. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical. If you liked the episode, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media or left a five-star review on iTunes. That stuff really helps. If you ever want to get in touch with me, just shoot me a DM on Instagram, at Jordan Lips Fitness. I'm always around to chat. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.